Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My husband just show up because I, I got to talk serious business with you today. So anyway, Dana, glad to have you here today. Let me, then give me some time to introduce you. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, hi everyone. Um, welcome to join us on our clubhouse. This is our every Wednesday, every Tuesday, three thirty. Uh, we will have a talk. But start from this month, I'm gonna do a little bit shifting. Um, I would like to introduce Dana instead. <laughs> so, versus what we used to, you know, discuss on one topic. Um, I would like to sh- I would like Dana to share something very personal. So as many of you know, Dana is a mindset coach, and then she also do subconscious reprogramming, and she's also an author. But for her to come this far, I mean, I want people to know the story behind this. I mean, she have gone a long way. You know, this is not an easy path for her, but she had done really well for her, so for herself. So you know, this is why today I would really like to you know interview her and ask her something personal. <laughs> and then you know, I'm so grateful that Dana is actually open for this, and you know, so everybody would get to see a different side of Dana. So, Dana. <laughs> You know, I know you forever, you know, like just relax. Okay, I know you forever, but you know, when, when I first know you and then, you know, know what you've gone through, I mean, I got so many questions to ask and, but it was not right time for me and it was not appropriate for me. But then, you know, to see where you are right now, I really truly believe you are inspirational for a lot of people. And I'm truly grateful for you to open for this as well, to talk about this past that you have right yes so um before i get into it do you mind to share with us a little bit of the background uh and and what background are we talking about um you want to know what what well everybody already know what you do background because um yeah yeah, i just want to make sure that i'm answering correctly oh sure let's have a quick intro of your professional background we're going to come back to this at the end of it anyway but you know Use, uh, um, yes. Okay. Um, so I am a founder of a system called Well-Managed Mind. Mm-hmm. And it's a system that rewires your brain from um, old patterns and rebuilds um, your triggers and wiring. I created this about 12 years ago. Um, yeah. My background is in psychology, and I also worked with some medical doctors and doctors of Chinese medicine to figure out the best way to basically connect conscious and subconscious mind. And um, we started having results pretty quickly. Uh, At the beginning, we were basically going after the emotional attachments to the old memories. And then it kind of started all there after I had a PTSD from my son 
skiing over a cliff right in front of me and mm. um, I remember at that moment thinking I will not even find his body I'm not gonna be able to find his body because yeah. we were up at grouse I mean you probably know um, yeah how it looks there and yeah. uh, there was an old run that stopped him about 150 meters so he was screaming I thought he was paralyzed because he said he cannot move yeah. and long story short we um, like the help came they got him up and when we got to the t backs of the top from when he fell to the run he wanted to ski more mm. and I'm like oh my god I didn't pay any attention to it and I'm like oh no we're not skiing we're going home yeah. and about a week later I started tingling and I thought I had a heart attack but it was a panic attack yeah. which at that time I knew nothing about so yeah. I remember when 911 came I yeah. couldn't even move my hands and I oh, no. remember thinking what a shitty way to die I'm not yeah. ready for this <laughs> wow. and then they yeah and at the hospital they said oh it was panic attack it's not a heart attack blah, yeah. blah, blah. and then um, then it's kind of uh, started um, from there because I couldn't I couldn't sit up without triggering a panic attack yeah and so I was in bed lying, staring at the s ceiling and thinking, yeah. oh my God, like yeah. I'm so strong. Why cannot I get up without triggering a panic attack? Yeah, yeah. And so as I was lying there uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, I started kind of thinking, how can I help myself? Mm. And then that's the whole process. And wow. then, you know, a few months later, I, I created the first version of Well-Managed Mind. So. Wow. Well, I actually, I think I roughly heard of that story, but I, you know, wow. It's yeah. like, you know, we hear it over again. How old was Lucas at that time? He was in grade two. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. He was in grade two. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, then, you know, um, I want to talk about Paul today. And, you know, yeah. it's uh, probably sensitive. Well, you can stop me if you feel uncomfortable anytime. Um, uh, Paul is a. Uh, Dana's is deceased husband, but then, you know, before he passed away, you know, Dana have gone through quite a long time when he was ill, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, tell us about Paul for a little bit. So, you know, how, how you guys met and where, you, you know, how long have you guys married before uh, you discover that he was ill? Just um, quickly fill us in. Sure. Mm -hmm. I'm putting pressure quickly. <laughs> oh, know, no, no, sorry. You know, it's my <laughs> mind going to 10 different directions. Well, quickly, start start with the first day then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes. uh, how was... Well, the, the, I mean, mm. I don't know what's important because there are so many stories. But yes. I think if I say it quickly, yeah. I think that the story would be... Um, I was dating somebody and yeah. we were going up to Whistler. It yeah. was not Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, I organized a cabin up at Whistler for skiing for about, I think, 16 of us was there. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And then one friend of mine, boyfriend, said, I have a friend who, it's his birthday. Um, it was at the end of November. Can I bring him along? Mm. And I said, sure. Yeah. And so we bought him a cake. And uh, that was Paul. That yeah. was my future husband. Yeah. And uh, and he was just shocked that a group of people that know nothing about mm. him bought him a birthday cake. Oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> then, you guys, then you guys just, you know, hit it off on that party or something? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> um, we... Uh, then I broke 
with my boyfriend mm -hmm. and then we became um part of paul and i became part of the same group yeah and just started kind of hanging around at parties and stuff like that but then he was dating somebody and then we were at this party where we um both got slightly drunk and then that's <laughs> when it happened okay yeah, on the patio <laughs> alcohol involved yeah that was the beginning of it yes and at that time i traveled for work back to europe because yes. they were looking for bilingual people um to set up offices after the berlin wall came down mm. so i left for six months and we stayed in touch kind of then i came back and um we um we spent time together, but I wanted to go back to Europe and yeah. he didn't want me to stay for him. Long story short, my father got involved. Oh. <laughs> How does your and father get involved? Because he called me and he said, when you were in in, in uh, Europe, you were crying for Paul. Aww. You miss him and now you wanna, you're crying that you want to come back. Don't yeah. come back for us. So Aww. I am like, okay. And so I stayed and that was it. And oh, okay. then I think we got married about two and a half, three years later, maybe. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, that's sweet. So um, how long were you guys together before he discovered his year? About three years yeah, so, before we got married. We got together in 95, then I went away for six months. Yeah. And then in 98, mm -hmm. we got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, um, yeah, but Paul, can you um, let me know what exactly does Paul have? Like, what disease does he have? Or You mean what he got sick with? Yeah, what he got sick with. Okay, um, so in, uh, it's, it's been right now five uh, years and two months. Yeah. He passed in February, on February 5th. Yeah five years ago yeah and he got sick a year prior that mm. uh, kind of like year and a four months mm. so I was in Palm Springs with my girlfriend yeah and he um, had a couple friends over a couple dads with children and he said I um, feel like the pizza I ate yesterday yeah is still in my stomach oh, and no. yeah. um, and then he said he's gonna sleep in a reclining chair yeah. and uh, I came home I think a day and a half later and he wasn't feeling well and then he threw up which I've never seen him um, mm. so we went to the emergency and yeah. uh, the doctor unfortunately broke his I don't remember what arm or something yeah and so he told him it's indigestion and sent him home without any um, proper examination okay. and then we ended up back within 48 hours because he kept throwing up um, again yeah and so they found a tumor mm -hmm. in his um it's called bile duct but it's basically where duodenum is duodenum is small intestine so yeah. from the stomach there's a small intestine yeah, yeah. before it turns into the large intestine okay and to the small intestine what happens from our organs yeah. like pancreas liver and gallbladder yeah uh, they sent like 
I, I don't want to call it juices, but that's pretty much they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, through a very small tubes, and they come to the duodenum small intestine, and that's basically what how the food starts processing. I was gonna say so we can shit it out. Yeah. Uh, uh, that <laughs> okay. wasn't very nice. Yeah. But it's pretty much what comes with the to the food, so yeah. it, it processes through the intestinal tract. Yeah, yeah. And so his tumor was sitting in a really bad place. Um, it was right in um, the duodenum where all these tubes from liver, pancreas, and gallbladder were coming in, oh, no. and it, it was covering the, the those tubes. So they the, so so the juices couldn't come in to process his food. Mm. And yeah. then um, and then what happened was they had to put him on an IV, and mm. there were only two surgeons in British Columbia that yeah. could do because it was a very complicated surgery. Yeah um the way where it was and so after about a month on iv they transported him from st paul's to vgh yeah and uh then the doctor um his name was dr scudamore uh he basically took him on friday evening at 8 p.m after yeah. his daily surgeries because they were worried that he wouldn't last much longer right and so I remember at about three o'clock in the morning, I think it was like six or eight hour surgery. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but like very early in the morning, he called me that he's done and the surgery went well. Mm -hmm. So I went in there yeah. and I was asking and um, he said it went well, but you know, they, he really got cut across. Um, like it was a huge cut. Um, yeah. I think it was like <laughs> 10 in eight inches or i don't know 10 inches maybe like basically yeah. all his the whole stomach and and from the ribs down oh no um, yeah and so he was at the hospital till pre-christmas yeah and then uh he came home before christmas mm -hmm. we we brought him home yeah and then the doctor um we had an appointment with the surgeon, I think, actually that was before Christmas. And yeah. then Paul said to him, um, you know, thank you for saving my life. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the, and the surgeon responded, yeah. I didn't save it, I extended it. Mm. And Paul got very upset with it, of yeah. course, because wow. he, I think I think anybody who gets sick, and, yes. and of course, uh, those of you that have had this kind of situation um the whole family hopes for miracles so you That's always right. do like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know uh, everybody's different even though yeah. some people prepare and some people just hope some people are in denial mm -hmm. some people start planning everybody responds because it's it's such a shock to the system yeah that everybody's mind responds very differently right yeah so, yeah, yeah so then i remember on christmas eve yeah because by that time we saw the cancer um uh, we went to the cancer clinic and they didn't know what to do because yeah. they um they said that this is a very unusual area where they mm -hmm. don't have research on so they can mix the chemo either for the large intestine or yeah. liver cancer so so we were kind of in between and then paul had friends from university in the united states in pharmaceutical industry i had friends doctors in europe so we were like consulting with everybody yeah and everybody was saying the same thing we don't know there are no like there is no um 
information on this um you know it's kind of like we have to take it day by day and go yeah. with it right so yeah for sure so yeah. unfortunately the cancer agency doctor that saw us had no people skills and called <sighs> paul on christmas eve yeah to deliver some bad um inform situation some bad information because yeah. uh what happened uh, they dissected the cancer and so as they leave it longer they they know how aggressive it is yes. and what it's how it's doing it so he delivered the bad news to him on christmas eve over the phone oh my god and i just could not believe how yes. the people skills of that doctor i'm yeah. like this guy needs my well-managed mind yeah technique because he should not have done that yeah and oh, then yeah and then i talked to the nurse after and he says well he was just rushing to the airport to visit his sick mom yeah and i'm like okay i get it i get it mm -hmm. but you don't do this you yeah. call people to the office and yeah like you dro don't drop it at five o'clock on christmas eve over the phone like in two minute conversation yeah. right so anyway long story short they mixed some chemo he did it for six months yeah. and then he he felt better and um he wanted to go back to work because he said i don't want to be with myself at home yeah. i don't want to think about it yeah. so I, I kept driving him to work every day and yeah. then um he was 49 at that point yeah and his birthday 50th birthday november 27th yeah okay um we i organized about 50 people coming here to um to mahoney's yeah. restaurant and when he was dressing up he said um i'm going to say goodbye to everybody and i'm like what are you talking about and mm. then just so you know how quickly it went he was gone on february 5th and he was in hospice for about four weeks prior so basically mm. it was like two two months later he right. was gone from like being functioning quite functioning normal too, and, yeah, yeah. To yeah just gone gone eh? well when yeah. i listen to your story i mean i you know honestly i keep thinking how you might processing it because from the you know you think maybe it's just seeing digested you know sickness all of a sudden like mm -hmm. in such a short time realize there's a tumor and then you know to get into the surgery like then also like six months i mean for me everything happens so quickly like mm -hmm. no more people need some time to digest mm -hmm. oh my my mm -hmm. you know husband is sick now or something like mm -hmm. that but mm -hmm. for you it seems to go just chop 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 you just have to mm -hmm. be on top of it the whole time so now when looking back at it i mean you're able to share with us so how does your mind or your emotional process going through while you are coping with like chemotherapy i mean i understand chemotherapy itself is not an easy path either right especially as a spouse I mean, it's difficult for him, but it's probably not easy for you either. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, how like how was it like for you? Um, it was very hard because mm -hmm. um, I had my son at that time was twelve. Yes. And so I had to keep up with him and take care of him as well. Yeah. Yes. And so when Paul was at the hospital, I um, you know, I would go there obviously every day and everything and. Uh, when I had him home, mm -hmm. um, I was helping him with work. And when he started chemo, 
interestingly enough, we actually, because I believe in doctors very much for stuff like surgeries mm -hmm. and broken bones, but I also believe in alternative medicine. Yeah. And so we went to a homeopathic doctor who gave Paul with the, um, with the chemo homeopathics that lowered the symptoms, symptoms and yeah. reactions mm -hmm. so paul actually did relatively well through it okay um he still went to work sometimes yeah. through when he was on chemo yeah and um it was really hard i uh stopped going there with him mm -hmm. which caused me a little bit of guilt not a little bit a lot of guilt at yes. the beginning that i had to reprogram and yeah. you know i'm not gonna say thank god i had well managed mine but i was thinking thank god i have well managed mine <laughs> so i kept reprogramming the yes. guilt because all i was thinking was <clears throat> i know how emotions take over the body yes and people get sick and uh, you know and it's just so crippling the stress is being proven more and more causing diseases and illnesses yeah and so i thought i have to function for my son and i want to take care of my husband does does and lucas know about his illness when i mean when this whole so thing he knew he was mm -hmm. sick because obviously he was at the hospital right away yeah. when he got sick okay um but we didn't really go to any large details okay because he was too small and also we didn't know exactly either yeah we didn't know if the chemo was gonna be good or not we didn't know if how you know how if it's gonna spread because the surgeon had to take half of his pancreas oh my goodness so, yeah so we didn't know if it's gonna how it's spreading how fast it's it's gonna spread yeah. and uh, on the ultrasounds and um CTs, uh, we it was reasonably good after the surgery. Like we didn't see any new stuff coming on. Okay. So there was so we had hope. Okay. Um, so both of you have hope, but you were saying the doctor was delivering the bad news uh, before yeah, Christmas so Eve. Yeah. And I yeah. think that when you get to um, to the point. Yeah. Where. I also think when when shock like this happens, and those of you that have gone through it can, I'm sure, can confirm this. Mm -hmm. Your mind starts working on a different frequency. It's yeah. like when we are pregnant and yeah. we deliver a child, and so they say our brain forgets somehow the pain, so we yeah. get pregnant again. Otherwise, yeah. we would never get pregnant again, That's right? That's true. <laughs> so I think this is the same thing. Yeah you function on a different frequency with your brain where you hope so when he said i didn't save your life i extended it yeah you he, he didn't say how long yeah you know what i mean like we thought well maybe it's 10 20 years or maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about maybe it's going to be fine right, right? right, right. so even though paul was very upset that yeah. he didn't confirm that he saved his life yeah um you don't really go to any details you kind of think about it but then you know you have to keep going on yeah so um i mean i cannot speak for paul but mm -hmm. for me it was like okay we have to take it day by day we have to do our best and try to keep looking for new ways of um 
you know, uh, healing or saving. Yeah. So, but chemo itself, to get back to your question, didn't seem to be that bad. Um, he yeah. lost some hair, but he didn't have nausea very much. Mm -hmm. uh, he was still very weak because the surgery before he went in, he went from, I think, 185 to 155 yeah. pounds. Yeah, he was 6'2", yeah. so he looked like a, a walking skeleton um, a little bit, but... Yeah. Um, I remember you mentioned it once, say it's so hard to watch him so skinny yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So And then, then I think that also, I mean, I don't know, everybody's probably different, mm -hmm. but I think that, that he also had a fear because he said to me a few times, which I, you, I, me as a caretaker, I, I, I couldn't understand at that point saying, well, I, 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 I was afraid that you're going to leave me. And I'm like, how would I ever, you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. I, I, and he knew I loved him and I, yeah. I, I knew he loved me, but I think that you, you process things because he heard some stories that other people walked away from their spouses. Yeah, so, because they're sick. So, yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that are going through your head, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So the chemo was hard, but it also, I would say was hopeful. I think yeah. with chemo, you also have hope. Yes. So it's kind of like double-edged sword. Yeah. So during this whole time that he have treatment, you have hope, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure he had hope too. That's why he's continued the treatment. Um, mm -hmm. Is this, I guess this whole point, like this whole period of time, you, you both of you, you or maybe both of you actually believe you guys can make it? I, I, I think that... That's a really hard question to answer. Yeah. The hope was always there, but then he would say that he went on internet and the survival is two to five years. Mm. And then at that point, I think yeah. when, when people are in this situation, and I'm sure everybody can again confirm it, is that suddenly you don't know sometimes how to help the other person yeah and they don't know how to help you because you are both so scared yes and so frightened that you can't even go further than a day yeah you know what i mean like i couldn't even go and think what's gonna happen in a week right. like i basically was trying to stay in presence and like one day at a time because if i started thinking like a month or yeah. two months i would have probably like go crazy and yeah. uh, I cannot speak for him, but he obviously, um, the fears were great, huge, right? And yeah. and I was offering to reprogram, but he didn't want to, even though before he used my technique very often yeah. for all sorts of stuff, like bad, like issues with uh, bosses and stuff like that, yeah. or fears. But he, he couldn't, because I think that he didn't want me to know the fears he had, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, he does. He, yeah, he would have to give me some synopsis and some uh, explanation what we yeah. reprogram, and he didn't want me to uh, to not that he didn't want me to know, but part of it. But also, I think he would have he was thinking that I would have handled it way more difficult if I knew how frightened yeah. he was. Right, I know it got so, to. A, I think it will. You know, like I noticed from many people I deal with, it got to a point like they just don't want to cause any more worry for mm -hmm. what you already have. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. So you go, go ahead. ahead. No, you okay. go ahead. 
Uh, no, I was just going to say that I, you know, I have since then obviously had clients that um, have also always say it's so hard because I don't want to hurt him or her yeah. by saying this and that. And I think that the dynamic of communication changes because suddenly there is this overwhelming um, fear and, and perhaps guilt yeah. and, um, and anger. Yeah. anger a lot of people have anger it's like why is this happening to me yes. where paul was really good like he he kind of surrendered to it and he would say um i'm i rather be me it rather be me than you and mm. i always used to cry i'm, I'm still having a hard time to say yeah. that but um but and you know uh, like what do you say to that it's like um yeah, I am the mother, so I guess from the child's point of view, but I don't want you to go either. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like no, yeah, it's, it's so so because the emotions are are so high, you often don't know how to make the other person feel better. No, and you want to so desperately, but then you also have to realize that you have to take care of yourself. Right. Because I kept thinking, well, if I collapse, what is Lucas going to do? That's right. Because you, right? you like, had to be strong for your son. Yeah. Time, right? So it's it's kind of. Yeah. And a lot of people since that I, I, I kind of treated as clients. Um, a lot of people think that the family members have it have it worse than mm -hmm. the people who are sick. I don't yeah. know if it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's true, but you or know, not. You I know. don't think either. But I think it's. I. I would. My guess is that it's very equally difficult. Yes. No, it is equally difficult. It's just. I think being a mother, sometimes we have to put our emotion on the side. That's something we yeah. don't have. Though. Just put it on the side, and we have to take care of the children first and then we take care of people first then we come back and look into our emotion but from what i just heard i mean it only happened for about year and year and a half right it doesn't seem like you have time to do that like you know you you either take care of the children or you take care of your husband by the the end of the day i can only imagine you must be exhausted like yeah and i think it's like having a newborn you're yes. running on, on adrenaline where you have to keep going right like yeah. so you don't really question how exhausted you are yeah until it's all over that's right or until something else happens yes so then you you kind of stop and you, you realized how you run yourself down or yeah. you do not or so i think uh yeah i think that it's it that part comes kind of later yeah so it's, it's the same like if you have a kid you you cannot stop taking care no, of them. no i like wow <laughs> we, we try but yeah, yeah. anyway but i'm just curious um i mean i understand people all try to be hopeful when they are dealing with cancer and all that in what point you you realize um this is it like he he's going or he's leaving yeah that was pretty much two months before he died when we went back because uh he was saying he has a he has a really sore um like belly and yeah. we were thinking because he it was lucas's birthday so he played um one of those tags yeah with the boys played like the shooting thing so he saw that because it was a bit of exercise that yeah. maybe his his abdominal is sore from yeah, it yeah, yeah. From, like muscles yeah and then we went back to the doctor for a checkup yeah. and they basically uh confirmed like when he said he's in pain 
and then they did CT, emergency CT, and yeah. they said there's it's spread in um, the ab- abdomen on the wall, and uh, there's nothing we can do. Oh, yeah. And so that was a so. shock. Yeah, that was that was pretty much um, just before Christmas. Around, I think it was like December seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Um, before, yeah. So and then he was gone in six weeks, I think. Yeah, because I um, I think he was saying that he want to say goodbye to all his friend on his birthday, right? And then this happened. I mean, he probably yeah. have a sense like he is not gonna live long. Earlier than you, a little bit earlier than you. I would think so. Yeah. I I mean, people say that they know they, they know. kind of, but you know, you don't. I, I mean, my neighbor, um, the husband, didn't even say goodbye to his kids. Oh, um, no. Yeah, because he was hoping and, and denying till the end, right? Like right. I, I was very grateful that Lucas had my son had a, a year with him. Yeah. Still, where where he was, you know, they were talking music and spending time together right. and stuff like that. Where you are saying it's fast, but then think about people who are in car accidents and don't right. make it. They, these people don't even say goodbye. Yeah. Um, because his father passed away um, about, um, I think, six years prior to Paul. Yeah. And uh, his mom just found him in the basement. He was painting f- the mm-hmm. floor. So that was hard because we all flew there yeah. and to say goodbye, but he was already dead. Yeah. So we just went to the funeral home. And I think that that is tragically even worse yeah. to not to have that closure with the person where right. I felt like we, we had a really good one. Like, you know, when that was it, we, we had a lot of talks and, yeah. um, and, um, a lot of love going back and forth. Yeah. And, and so did Lucas. And, and so I think that on some level, even though it was quick, yeah. we were very lucky that we did have that extra year. Yeah. Um, some, some people don't even get that, right? Well, it's true, but, you know, like, nobody won that, right? I mean, people no, hate to say, no. you know, people yeah. hate. But in what point, I mean, that you come to six weeks before he passed, you come to accept the idea, like, okay, he, he's leaving one day. I mean, in what point you decide to break the news? I mean, did you ever talk about it uh, with Lucas before? Well, when before the doctor Paul? told us mm-hmm. that they cannot do anything, uh, and then they had to hit, they had to admit him to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, I had to call his brothers and his mom and to get everybody here, and it was the most difficult phone calls I have yes, ever made in my for life. Sure. And uh, so they all came, and his cousin came, mm-hmm. and um, and then we told Lucas. At the, same time. at the same time so when the doctor told us we did tell everybody and then paul wanted to come home yeah so after about a week at st paul's we the nurses we kind of got a nurse to come to our home but mm-hmm. at that point he was regressing so quickly so i had to give him like 22 shots every day oh no yeah it was crazy and the problem was that the system doesn't work out really that great because the nurse has, has to e- approve the increase of the morphine or right. the painkiller they're giving. Yeah, yeah. And so because the nurse came only once a day and then she couldn't still approve it until she talked to the doctor. 
So I basically got to the situation that Paul was in so much pain and mm -hmm. I, I couldn't give him more. It was just horrible. Yeah. And then I said to the nurse, I don't care. I'm giving him more because you guys taking 24 hours. Yeah or more to respond about the increase and I'm not going to watch him suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that I did that for about two and a half, three weeks. And then the nurse said, um, or maybe two weeks, three, yeah. two and a half. She says, we should, um, we should, because he's regressing very quickly. We should, um, um, ask for the hospice because you're not going to be able to handle it. So yeah. the last four weeks he was at the hospice at UBC, which is a beautiful hospice. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. as beautiful as it can be, um, you know, under the circumstances. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and his mom was already here and the brothers, so we were all taking yeah. turns and the friends were going to say goodbye. And yeah. so, yeah, so. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, this is, I mean, it's still quite tra trauma, right? It's oh, huge quite, trauma, yes. yeah. For, I mean, so after he died, I mean, I don't know in what point, like either before he passed or after he passed, I mean, you did, you do, or you did raise a young children and then um when i guess when lucas first know about the news he must have some emotional things that you had to cope with as well but left alone him you yourself must got something you had to get adapted to and not to mention like you know um this whole future without paul i mean in what time or what process or what period of time that you actually start processing all this like s start processing or stop processing sorry I well i i would assume you stop processing but then when you start thinking oh my god he he is leaving and then you know in yeah, what point you start I, thinking about your future basically that's what i I'm... don't think that it it's it's it goes um necessarily that way i think yeah. that what happens as i said the adrenaline is making you yes basically go 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 yeah and then when he passed, I was concentrating on Lucas and then I had to do, um, you know, the celebration of life. So I was like going through all the pictures and everything yeah. and, uh, and, and creating a movie and organizing the celebration of life. And yeah. then, um, then, uh, Paul's brothers helped with stuff. So between three of us, we had it like, I think three weeks after he passed mm -hmm. and, um, so I, I haven't stopped at that point. Oh, okay. And uh, then um, we saw everybody, uh, the celebration of life was beautiful and sad at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then we got home and it still doesn't, it still doesn't click hmm. that the person is gone. Like, even though I was there when he, pa like after he passed yeah. and everything, and I saw him uh, like, dead yeah. um it still doesn't the brain somehow doesn't register it mm -hmm. so you just keep going and then i had to move yeah um to another apartment and it's really difficult to vancouver well not now with the corona with yeah. the covid everybody's <laughs> yeah. leaving yeah but before it was really difficult to get any apartment right. so luke and i were looking Mm -hmm. And I think what happens because Luke and I are pretty good communicators. Yeah. So we kind of were brave for each other. Um, right. And we became much closer mm -hmm. on some level. 
I just had to keep thinking, I want to make sure that he doesn't think that he's taking on his father's role right. because I didn't want to put any pressure on him. Right, right. And I always told him, you are a kid yeah. there because, because people were telling him, now you have to be like your father and, and be brave mm. and this. And I'm like, no, you don't have to be like your yeah. father. You are still a child and you are my child and there yeah. is no... A responsibility in that area for you right but yeah, you know yeah. people don't realize what they're saying so so then we moved and then we went traveling yeah and I think at that time I still wasn't getting it mm. like I still would look like I would walk outside and see somebody who reminded me him and I'm like I still didn't understand that he's gone yeah it was really strange because yeah, we just... haven't really had a, 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 a time where we did nothing. Mm. Yeah, it just seems like you were always go, go, go. But then I'm just curious, like, at least for Lucas, for example, as a mother, do you notice like he's going through something after he learned the news? Um, yeah, it's uh, he, he, well, everybody's shocked, right? Yes. But, but because you have to keep going and he had to keep going. Yeah. Uh, one thing that he was asking, he says, I don't want any of my friends know. He didn't want to tell anybody. And then he mm. did it at his own pace. Right. So I said, since you're not talking to your friends, so I was asking, do you want to go to the counselor? Or yeah. do you want to talk to me? Yeah. And so he said, I'm going to talk to you right now. So he would come and, and talk about stuff. So then, you know, we would kind of discuss things. Yeah. So yeah, of course everybody's like extremely grieving, but yeah. But you cannot really help everybody because no. you're struggling yourself. So it's almost like a survival mode. Yes, it and sounds to me you are just try to be strong for everybody. Yeah, and yeah. so did he, right? Like he was trying mm. to be strong for me and I was trying to be strong right. for him. But he also said to me like a couple of years ago, he said I had to grow up very fast mm -hmm. and I think it's true not that he would have taken a role of the father but yeah. he had to grow up because he didn't have father right so he became mature mm -hmm. way more because there were things that suddenly we couldn't do for him like right. when it was two parents you you know you take them to hockey practice you take them right. to I don't know baseball practice and when when it's only one and then kind of like and then you're dealing with grief yeah. Then he had to do a lot of things on his own, like take buses to certain places. So suddenly his life became completely different. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then I I think it took him about three years to go to a counselor, and he only went like few times. Yeah. He's very. I always say he's an old soul. Yeah, he's, he's a quite a mature kid. I have to yeah, say. Yeah, he he has a knowledge that yeah. I, I mean sometimes I don't even think I have. But um, but he also started telling, because then he was going to high school, which yeah. I was thinking, oh my God, now he's switching. But a lot of his friends went to high school as well, mm -hmm. to the same one. So, yeah. and then he met a lot of new friends. And then what happened, he met a guy there mm -hmm. that had a father who had um, uh, depression and and, and trauma in his life yeah, and they yeah, became yeah. friends so because he had problem with his dad yeah so even though his dad was alive and then he, that was the first kid he told uh, and then he slowly started telling other children and, yeah. and i think once he realized that 
it's okay. I think he said he said he didn't want to be treated differently. Right, right. So, so again, it was his journey. He had to figure it out. It's not that right. I could go to school with him and follow him him and tell him what to do. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, and he couldn't do the same for me. So, yeah. Unfortunately, I think we are all on our own. Yeah. Uh, to figure out how to deal with it and then you know and hopefully ask for help when yeah. it, when we need it so so yes i'm curious things like you know from what my what i heard you you always go 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 you know even dealing with sorrow and you know dealing with everything else in mm-hmm. what point like you actually break down i mean you had to hit okay. some time right uh-huh, uh-huh yeah yeah so i was going from for year when he was sick and yes. then he passed in february we traveled we came yeah. back in september mm-hmm. and then that's we, we moved into the new place yeah. so lucas went to high school and in november the end of november mm-hmm. it started because it was his birthday yeah oh, and okay. that was the first thing when it started hitting me yeah uh, that he's not there and then before christmas i didn't want to be here at christmas so we went up to whistler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it didn't turn out to be the great thing because it wasn't christmasy and um it was an yeah. idea to get away from everything because it was so fresh right um but lucas said up at whistler can we stay at home next year yeah um, yeah yeah and so but I think for me, it was important because I was exhausted. That's when I realized, because it was Lucas's birthday, Paul's birthday, yeah. his mom's birthday and Christmas and mom ber- my mom's birthday. Like we have five celebrations that suddenly were not celebrations anymore. Right, right. And right. so that got me the first year. And then I remember before Christmas, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, if I don't stop with my work and everything. Yeah. I'm going to collapse. Yes. So I remember lying on a couch for probably a couple of weeks, actually, mm-hmm. and staring at some Hallmark Harlequin movies. I have no idea what I watched. <laughs> yes. No idea. Yeah. But I just, li- I was just lying on a couch and, and staring and, and watching mindless movies. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time, I think, when I kind of stopped and realize I cannot, I have to stop. Yeah. So how long is this process though, when you start to realize, oh, after, you know, like almost two years of active life, um, I just lost a husband and I'm pretty much on my own right now. I mean, how long does that process take for you to simply moaning or, you know, be with your sorrow? Yeah, so it's interesting question because I would uh, probably answer this in different stages in a way that the issue is, and and Paul used to tell me that, but I never heard it from him until my girlfriend told me about, uh, you know, that first Christmas without him, that I am really, I was, I'm not anymore, uh, really hard on myself. So what happened with grief and those of you if you have some fresh grieving uh that is the one advice i would give to anybody do not fight it because (laughs) all i kept doing is i kept saying to myself i was having this monologue with myself you should be doing more don't sit down go and do this do that and then i was always criticizing myself yeah and that took even more energy out of me because I kept kind of falling deeper into grief instead 
letting it go through me mm -hmm. if that's the way to say it i don't even know what would be the best way and then because i kept doing the reprogramming um i kind of felt like that i am ahead of most people that were in my situation mm -hmm. because i went on facebook and i went to this um group of um widows yeah and i realized how much i have healed in two years yeah versus them yeah and how stuck they are and how because i had well managed mind um i was able to to eliminate a lot of negative emotions yeah but i want to make it very clear by no means mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i uh healed myself that fast yeah it took me five years mm -hmm. to go like uh, for example they have stages of grief right yes. like they always say you go through denial yeah. and you know anger i did not have anger for two years yeah. at all yeah the first two years all i was like poor guy um you know he was such a lovely person we had a great marriage why did it happen to yeah. us why 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 right yeah. and then I was in San Diego presenting in a studio and my girlfriend that got sick the same time with brain cancer when Paul, mm -hmm. she died the day before my presenting on TV yeah. and I thought I was fine. And when I got to the studio and they were telling me, look in this light and everything, I started blanking out yeah and I started that was the first time I get angry and I remember staring at the camera and thinking you fucker you left me here alone <laughs> you asshole how am I supposed to do all this yeah where are you when I need you I cannot do this presentation and I just had the complete meltdown yeah I don't remember what I delivered mm -hmm. like I know I spoke I don't remember yeah. any word of it <laughs> And then, like, I remembered people because yeah. there were people in audience yeah. and they were kind of staring at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck have I just said? Yeah. Like, I was just mortified. Yeah. And then, uh, then there was a coach that sat in the, in the audience. And then in the evening, he said to me, oh, my God, like, I just, I just didn't know, like, what, um, you know what happened and I'm like well right. my girlfriend died and I this is the first time after two years yeah and then I was crying right like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. everything was pouring out of me because yeah. I choked and and I and and I said this was so important and now I choked <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> so being hard on myself again and he he was really good he was very patient yeah, yeah, with me yeah. and he said just go to the hotel room yeah and write him a letter yes and I said, I have never been angry with him. This is the first time and I can't stop it. Yeah. So I got to the hotel room and I started yelling. You fucking fuck. <laughs> like I was like, you fucking asshole. Like, I, look what you made me do. And then I, yeah, I yeah. started writing a letter and it was really mean. I think I burnt it like right the next day because I was kind of ashamed of it. Yeah. But then then this is the, the, the interesting part that I came home from San Diego and yeah. my son says to me, mom what happened to you you seem so different in a good way yeah because and you finally I, released the anger and yeah and i yeah. said i think i left something in san diego yeah <laughs> good <laughs> and i did tell him what happened and then yeah. so i think that when 
when my friend Karen died. Yeah. Because they got sick the same time, and yeah. you know she lived another year almost. Uh. Um, that somehow it just put me over the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the anger came. So that's how I felt like I healed the anger, and then you know I kept reprogramming. But that would be too. That that like the really the main thing that I would give anybody advice is do not fight the grief. No, like no. Yeah. live through it. Uh, if it takes you down, it's like a roller coaster because yeah. I always felt, oh, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, no. and suddenly it just dragged me right down yeah. to the bottom, and that's when I started saying, come on, do more. Instead of once I figured it out, like it took me about two years, mm -hmm. um, I started thinking, okay, this is really shitty. I really okay. miss him, and I cried, and I did like whatever I needed to do, and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna come back out. So once I realized that it's up and down all the time, yeah, uh, and I didn't fight it, um, yeah. I felt like I was healing much faster. Yeah, just just simply be with your emotion, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, it's easy for you to talk about it now, but then you know, I can only imagine mm -hmm. how hard it is because that once a husband die, you know, even though when they're alive, we neck about them a lot, but they somehow, some way, is part of our life, right? Like, mm -hmm. So when he's gone, now you realize, Lucas realizes instead of having two parents, now I have one, I have to take mm -hmm. on some fatherhood job. I mean, with you, mm -hmm. right? That now maybe two income become one income. I mean, mm -hmm. have you ever been scared? Oh, yeah, every day. But then I, you try to I be tough for like, Lucas? I learned not to freak out now. Yeah. Uh, I reprogrammed that, and it took me a while, too. Yeah where i uh, basically don't worry about money no matter what yes. and i know it sounds really stupid but that's yeah. the only way to get through it yeah uh because more i worried worse i was getting and then i i was getting more depressed and yeah. scared and the fear was coming in right so at any cost i always made sure i was eliminating the negative emotions because yeah. i knew that they're gonna take me down if I don't clear them. So um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, every day you have fear. I mean, I still do. Yeah. Um, you know, I still miss him horribly. Yeah. I also uh, realized through um, the process, because I think that after five years was the first time when I started feeling that I can talk about things. Yeah. Like if you were trying to interview me three years ago. I know. No, no way, Jose. I was um, even afraid to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so it's it's not that... It's, it's, yeah. it's that I feel like I, I healed myself. Yes. Um, and... Now how did you do that thing, though? Like, you know... Like I have so many questions. Like there must be yeah. some challenging moment. That, that what's the most challenging, you know, after he he's gone. Like, what mm -hmm. do you think now? You're looking back. What is the most challenging for you? Everything. Uh, yeah. Everything was challenging. I, I think the most challenging thing was um, to be brave for my child. Yes. Um, and the most challenging thing was like when we were packing the apartment, like yeah. I didn't know what to throw out. And, you know, I had to get rid of all the furniture because we were moving to a much smaller place. So right. I couldn't bring the big pieces. And, and then I decided um, I am going to bring one piece. 
Yeah. And I brought one piece that was the first piece of furniture we bought together, which was humongous Mother F. <laughs> uh, but uh, armoire. But I'm like, I don't yeah. care how small my living room is, I'm bringing it. Um, and then, uh, so I think it will, and then packing his clothes was horrifying. Mm -hmm. I asked my friends to come over yeah. and they kind of helped me. They said, okay. I said, what do I keep? And, you know, I still kept some of couple of his suits and, uh, mm -hmm. and then my girlfriends were good. They basically said, uh, okay, what can we use for Lucas? And they kind yeah. of put aside stuff that they thought Lucas might ever use. Yeah. 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 And then the rest they, they got rid of like. I don't know if you can pinpoint what is the most challenging because seriously, the challenge is every day. Yeah, I bet. Every, every day to get up. I, I think after that, like the first Christmas and like I had days when I, as I said, I was staring at television. I didn't even want to get up, mm -hmm. but because I had Lucas, I had to get up. Yes. So on some level, it was a really good thing because I think when people get older and there is nobody else at home, like I cannot even imagine. Yeah. And a huge revelation that I had after about first two years, because yeah. I thought, okay, I always struggle so much from the last week of October till New Year's. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, it's like two and a half months. I am a basket case. Yeah. And then I realized, as I mentioned, that there were like three birthdays, Christmas, yes. you know, and all this. And so I got this idea that how about if I pre-program it? And I know it sounds silly, mm -hmm. but in September, the year three, I pre-programmed all the birthdays that I am not going to have depression, that I'm not going to, or I don't know if it was depression. I think it was grief. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you establish depression from mm -hmm. grief. Like really um hard to tell and um and so i pre-programmed it that the christmas and everything is going to be good mm -hmm. and then we went through it so much easier yeah because when i was better mm -hmm. lucas was better and then everybody else around me my parents were better right yeah because Another thing i think that was a problem is that my mom collapsed right after paul passed and so mm -hmm. I had to take care of her because she and I was so angry at her because yeah. I thought I am the one that lost my husband yes. and you collapsed instead of helping me. Now I'm taking care of you. Yeah. And I remember I was so mad for yeah. quite a while yeah. because I was just running with her to all the doctors because she doesn't drive anymore. Yeah. And uh, she's over 80, um, you know, yeah. that big, she was like 82 at that point. And I was so upset with her. And yeah. then I had to reprogram that. And once I reprogrammed <laughs> that, and then she wasn't getting better. And I said, you need to start reprogramming. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. she was fighting me on it, fighting yeah. me on it. And another friend of mine said, well, if you can ever convince and change her, then you, yeah. can, you can change anybody, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Yeah. And when the, yeah. you know, interestingly enough, when the doctors couldn't help her, she said, okay, I'll try it. Mm -hmm. And she's been doing it since, and she's been good, not yeah. on the wood. So, uh, yeah. so she was my kind of, and and I think, and then at that point, I reprogram, I forgave everything, and I let it yeah. go. Yeah. But that was a big thing. The first two and a half years. Um, yeah. That she wasn't well, and I had to take care of her because yeah. I was so resentful. 
You're one of my OTs. I just, yeah. oh my god. Every I time know. I think about it, I'm like, you get so many, so many things on your plate. You know, yeah. you're dealing with your child, now your mother, and then, tr you know, financial-wise, you try to create, yeah. like, security for yourself and for your kids as well, right? So you guys, like, yeah. how did you do it? Oh my god, like, all I can think well, is like... You, you know what's yeah. interesting? How did, how did you do it? You have to do it. It's like when yes. you bring home children, you, you just have to do it, right? <laughs> yes. But what is, what is interesting is that um, I always thought that I'm not doing enough. Mm. And once I rewired and rebuilt that pattern that I am doing enough, yeah. my life became easier because yes. I was not trying to do more, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't creating to do more. Yeah, well, and every time, I've, you know, ever since I met you, you always go, 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 go. You mm -hmm. always go, go, go. You almost never mm -hmm. stop. But what, from what I just heard, like, from your sharing, I heard one key thing is you are a very strong woman. You have a very strong mind. Because, you know, reality is, if I talk to a lot of my clients who are dealing with grief, they don't want to throw away anything. They want to keep everything. I but know. instead you are like okay i just gonna keep one thing mm -hmm. i just want to keep what's like what's important for me that's almost like the great tips for everybody who is dealing with you know um mm -hmm. greed like from our conversation you already give a lot of audience a great tips you know just let your grief flow and mm -hmm. then focus mm -hmm. what really important but not everything else right yeah and just get up and do it there's no negotiation about it otherwise you're gonna always cry yourself silly and you're always mm -hmm. gonna be self-heating mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah I, I just you know from this i'm so grateful that you're willing to let me ask you so many questions yeah no, <laughs> i mean I i've been your friend for a long time i'm afraid yeah, to ask yeah. but I yeah it's three years ago and i i mean i do have to say that there was a pivotal time because i i think i want to make this very clear somehow yes. and i don't know how mm -hmm. but it's i think that those stages that they kind of say on the internet that there must be some sort of stages that we you know a lot of people live by them i yeah. necessarily didn't but i y you heal certain part and then suddenly something else shows up yeah it's interesting because suddenly like this part of life becomes a little bit easier but some something else that reminds you things and becomes difficult yeah and i um i remember that i was somehow stuck mm -hmm. uh with my business yeah and i went over to your house and mm -hmm. i always say you guys roped me into uh the regression but you didn't <laughs> Uh, I just was afraid to do it and I didn't yes. know that's why I'm coming there. Yeah. But when we did that, I remember that was another milestone for me yeah. of healing. Like, or maybe it's a layer or it's a part. I don't know. But I remember thinking, oh my God, this was exactly what I needed to let go and release. Mm -hmm. And I remember you made me feel so comfortable where I, um, you said Paul is here. Yes. And like, and he was like at the door and then you you were walking me through things and yeah. asking me questions and he said he is ready to leave to yes. walk and then i remember um watching that he was going through the door and closing it mm -hmm. and it's not that i you know i still talk to him and everything after but something as the part of the grief 
was released and it was another milestone like the one yeah. when i said I, I had the anger in san diego mm-hmm. um at the tv station this yeah. was the second another milestone that i had yeah. and then the third one was the after eight months um mm-hmm. you know when i stared at tv because suddenly i said i am surrendering yeah to this shit like <laughs> i am just gonna freaking watch tv and everybody can kiss my ass yeah. right and I stopped answering my mom's phone calls, yeah, like, yeah. And, you know, and I said, everybody can leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was another milestone too. So, so I think that like, I always remember that party at your house yeah. was a big milestone for me for uh, healing. That's when he's saying, can you please talk to her? She's, you know, stone headed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, I'm gonna really try. <laughs> because you're not easy convinced though no, you know I was, you, and i think at yeah. that point it was more fear or something yeah oh my god you're not easily uh. convinced and then you you know paul is saying can you do something i'm like well you know i'm gonna yeah. try yeah. on other people until i'm able yeah. to get her curious yeah, 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 because yeah, you're yeah. not even curious at all. So yeah, for I don't him think to... you girls gave me a choice. You just said, okay, you're doing no. it. And that was good. That was perfect. No, because that's at the end of the day. I'm like, okay, but I don't do something. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, even yeah. I feel bad for Paul. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But so... he's been, you know, he been waiting for a long time. I mean, patient mm-hmm. enough. But yeah. yeah. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm so glad, you know, I got to hear the whole story. I'm yeah, all, always worried to ask here and there. So, you know, now if you're looking back, um, is there anything that you would do differently, though? Yes. Like, what would that be? Uh, the, the thing that I said uh, about 10 minutes ago, I would not fight the grief. Yeah. I would not um, talk to myself negatively at mm-hmm. any point. Yeah. Uh, I would just pamper myself and say, you know what? It's okay. You deserve to be happy and it's really hard right now, but don't give yourself shit. Yeah. Don't hurt yourself. Don't negatively think, talk to yourself. Don't think that you need to do more. Mm-hmm. That, like it's your life and you do whatever feels right. Um, yeah. And yes, it hurts and you have to go through it, but don't criticize yourself more than necessary. Yeah. Just feel the grief. Go with the grief. Yeah. If it takes you down, stay down. If it takes you up, stay up. Don't fight it when you're down. Yeah. Because it's the emotions when the brain starts fighting there, mm-hmm. then then we um we extend or prolong is the right word I think. Yeah. We prolong the healing. Mm-hmm. That was a huge thing. Uh, yeah. It took me two years to figure out, but once I did, um, I ac- like the healing was accelerated quite a mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Well, you know, that's almost the best advice you can give to our audience here if they, you know, they're dealing with grief. I do agree with you, though. I mean, I deal with a lot of people losing the loved one, right? And then, mm-hmm. seriously, that's all they do. They try to fight the grief. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they trap themselves in that anger for the longest time. They don't mm-hmm. understand. They don't understand. They're angry. How can they do this to them? Or mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm all alone. But from what I heard of your story you know you you do have your anger and you are go 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 but the moment you realize you have that you know grief in mm-hmm. you 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 know at least when you notice it's there trapping you you did find a way to try to get rid of them or let it flow you know mm-hmm. be with it right yes 
And yes. I think that's exactly what you just said, when you notice. Yes. So when you start paying attention to your thoughts, like if you sat and you need to talk to your spouse or, you know, child, brother, parent um, that left, mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. It's an yeah. emotion. Yeah. But if you start saying to yourself, I feel guilty because I should have been there more, or I'm angry because why did God take him or her? Yeah. So that's your head talking. Mm -hmm. So and you, br the head bringing a negative emotions because it's scared for you. Yeah. Because you are gr in a grief state, right? It, yeah. Like you're grieving. So that's the important part to recognize what is the emotion and what is the head telling you you should do better yeah because you shouldn't you are not you don't need to do better you yeah. do the way you do things it's like what you were saying people are angry or people have guilt right or people have fear how am i gonna make it now all by myself yeah like all these are gonna like create patterns that are you gonna start eventually like living by so yeah. we don't want that we don't want those negative thoughts yeah. If we are sad, we recognize the sadness and then we talk to them and mm -hmm. say, we miss you. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But all the negative thoughts just say, no, that's my head talking. I don't want to talk to you. Leave me alone. Yeah. I am, I am going to, I'm going to heal this because my spouse, partner, parent or child or whoever it is, they would not want us to suffer. No. And no. if they did if they were like masochistic or abusive yeah. or something then there is another issue that needs to be obviously right. switched yeah, but yeah. um but for most people uh the people that left they don't want us to suffer yes for sure but and then why should yeah. we yeah go ahead no i said and why should we yeah why should we yeah no so right? yeah no i truly i mean that's what I do, right? Psychic talk to dead people all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. you are right. Most of the time, they don't want you to suffer. I mean, yeah. that's really the logic talking. So, you know, I totally, totally agree with you with the advice like when you have grief, be with it, let it flow, mm -hmm. stay down if you feel low and things like that. But I also noticed one thing like, you know, um, aside from grief, there's also fear. Fear of like, on you, for example, you financial uncertainty when Paul mm -hmm. passed away and all that. You don't know where to start. You don't know where to begin or is he mm -hmm. sustainable or things like that. Like what advice would you give to people when they, aside from the grief, they also deal with fear because the fear may or may not tie together with uh, grief, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. simply a mother want to leave an abused husband and something and they're afraid to start from the beginning or they don't even know where to go i mean you have gone through that what kind of advice mm -hmm. would you give it to them though yeah and i think that, that there are two different scenarios because i was pushed into that scenario right like when, yes. when somebody is with an abusive partner they they have choice yes where i didn't yeah if somebody's getting divorced they have choice yeah where i didn't so mm -hmm. on some level i think not having choice makes it easier on some level like obviously it's final and, and there's other aspect of it that is yeah. horrifying because your child will never see his dad and I will never yeah. see my husband. And right. when you go outside and you see a family, you always get sad because you think we will never walk together like this right. because we are broken now. Yeah. But um, beyond repair, 
but on the other hand if there is a choice a lot of people like for example grief in marriage uh, they stay there and then that they can really become sick because they constantly uh, like are unhappy and not resolving the problems but yet they're not leaving or the abusive relationship right right that that's a completely different mm -hmm. I think kind of grief where where you have to have a plan mm -hmm. forward where or if you don't you have to have a personality that you are okay with it where I never had these choices yeah so yeah. I think that you know um, I think that they're, that they're kind of like a little bit different scenarios yeah. and I, it's kind of you force a pound but then as i say like oh no thanks for the you know wonderful story that you just shared mm -hmm. with us you know as i mentioned earlier you do have a strong head you know uh it seems like your mechanism is just like do it just do it i would think about it later but i would do it mm -hmm. now so you know that is what i heard so far like how you deal with post illness yeah. and then how you deal with a young child like you have to raise on your own and meanwhile the the financial uncertainty um you are right i mean if i don't have any choice i would simply have to do it i don't have time to you know think about what if or if mm -hmm. i should do it or if not i would simply do it right yes i think so and then there is a you know, and then there is a priority too, right? Like for mm -hmm. me, yes, because I have a huge empathy. Uh, my son be was a priority that drove me. Yes, and maybe I am strong. Like I never really thought about it that way. But you're right. There are people that even though they have children, they get too depressed mm -hmm. and they can do it. So, and you would say through your um, psychic thing that you know they maybe have different thing to learn in this life yeah. i don't know right like yeah. uh it's i think we I, I think the way i could summarize it that we all do our best yes <laughs> and no matter what it is it's yeah. it's the best we can do it's the best we can do yes right and just because it's not good enough for other people you know i i remember um, about three years into Paul's passing, yeah. um, uh, uh, that used to be quite good girlfriend of mine, um, started telling me that I should go and, and find a boyfriend. And I'm like, I don't want to find a boyfriend. Like I, <laughs> I, I have so much to do with my business and right. with my son. Like I'm definitely not in a space of doing that. And she was telling me about her neighbor, her friend. It was a guy that, that because his wife also died at the same time as my husband. Yeah. And she said, oh, he's been already dating for a year. You know, it would be good for you. Yeah. And I remember looking at her and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, but you don't know what is good for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and maybe from your point of view, but I'm not feeling it. And I live yeah. by what I feel and I yeah. do what i what is important to me and what is the best way i can handle the situation so yeah maybe it would have been good for me but i yeah. didn't feel like it was right so yeah. so sometimes people think they know what yeah. they need yeah and that's not necessarily true yeah and uh, you know sometimes it could be good if somebody pushes you but you have to be damn sure that that's what you yeah. want and you're not doing it for them well some people as i say right there was a lot of clients they like to play this self-pity party for years mm -hmm. 
you know, they do need some push, right? But I would say for people who are intuitive, for people who know themselves pretty well, um, it is true that the society will usually put their own filter on you. They think what is the best for you. But if you're a person who is intuitive or you have good sense of your own self, I I would say go with your feeling for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so. I. Yeah, so I mean, it, that's a little bit of a different angle at yeah. the things, but I think it's kind of related to that we all heal differently. We yes. all heal at different times. We all have different ways of doing it. And, you know, like I'm still sometimes go to this Facebook where there are 2,000 widows mm-hmm. and they, they, their husband died seven years ago and they still have an empty yeah. closet. And I don't know, like, uh, wh- who am I to judge them? Yeah, right? they have their own process and journey. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what they need to do. I yeah. mean, um, it's uh, it's, I, I, and I think you know, like, I mean, you worked with people at you saying it's self pity and stuff like that. Yeah. And they they maybe need push, and that's why. But they need push if they ask. I think that's the big difference. If they come to you because they come to you because they uh, want yeah. your advice. Yeah. So then that's different, and they will either take it or not. Like the right. same when clients come to me. But if they don't come. Um, we have this idea of offering it even when not asked. And right. I think sometimes that can cause more damage. That, um, that is true though. I guess, yeah, people mostly come to me because, you know, they are tired of whatever they are living in and yeah, they want some and they change. Want answers. Yeah, they don't know how to make that yeah. change, but they want something. Mm-hmm. So it seems that one from what I just um what we just discussed right when you're dealing with grief like definitely be with your grief if you're low you stay there when you deal with fear it seems like the best solution for the fear is um make it nine option just deal with it yeah and yeah. uh I guess for me it is yeah um, well for it me is. it is too so yeah, for you it is too yeah. <laughs> well I can run away for 10 years I realize the fear is still fear and sometimes even worse it magnify it become bigger fear mm-hmm. yeah true so. it can absolutely yeah because you just mentioned right like when we're dealing with fear like for example I you know I have to start everything on my own i don't know where my future is but instead of sitting at home and worry about it and being afraid of it if i you know what you say because there's no choice so it become easier the mm-hmm. reality is if we, every time we're dealing with fear we change our mindset to there's no other choice the only choice i have is simply deal with it we might actually get something out of it mm-hmm. right yeah, that's a, that's a very good point because yeah. um, for me, like I remember a couple of years ago uh, when I wasn't really that, you know, completely through it, I would watch TV instead yeah. of working, right? Yeah, and then yeah. I would have the internal dialogue and then the next process was, no, don't be hard on yourself, Yeah, uh, which I started like two years prior yeah don't be hard on yourself so i learned not to be hard on your, myself and then i would say okay but if i don't work i'm not gonna make enough money and then i would go okay but we don't worry about money and so then i kept um kind of like re like re-talking to myself from uh five years ago being hard on myself to being really good to myself <laughs> but that still didn't mean that yes. i'm gonna get where I needed to go right yeah because I think when you have grief or even women with children they don't stop if they they have job and they have kids like suddenly like five years later they're like 
I have to stop or I'm gonna get sick, right? Or yeah. Or whatever. Gosh, all the mother then, are like superwoman. They they function in this adrenaline or something like that. Yeah. Like go go and, go. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of think, okay, so I was making everybody else better. Now I have yeah. to do it for myself. Yeah. And then you can take it to the other extreme, that you only want to live in that goody goody two shoe. Um, <laughs> I do everything is beautiful and wonderful and I don't have to do anything right like yeah. I've seen it with clients so many times and I experience certain um, part of it as well yeah where I'm like no I have to make my priority is to make myself feel good yes but yes. then it can cause other problems so it's like a vicious circle that you making yourself feel good all the time and then you don't get anything done yeah. So then you come back and say, okay, so I had a period of time when I made myself feel good. Yeah. And now it's time to maybe start slowly doing things that are a little bit uncomfortable to get back to. You know what I mean? No, oh, I, so, I totally do. Yes. Yeah. So but yeah. Uh, no, I just every- think of me like uh, 10 or 15 years ago, for example. If I ever just sit at home watching soap opera, I would have this little voice in the back of my head nagging like oh you should get up and clean the house you should do this you should do that right so i can never really sit and relax but now i would say you know 15 years or 20 years later if i do want to enjoy soap opera i would say you know what you deserve it just let's finish this soap opera then we will go do whatever thing we need to do yeah that's exactly (laughs) and it's almost like you have to come the full circle right yeah you have to realize like those three different stages to come back to being productive yes. and yet not hard on yourself and yeah. being balanced, I think is the word. Being yeah, balanced for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well, well, Dana, thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much for, you know, being interviewed by me. I know it was hard, you know, hard yeah, pass. You know, the reason so I never tough. really ask you a question is because a lot of time I'm like, how are you, Dana? You always, I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah, 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 I'm totally yeah. fine. Like yeah, I already yeah. prepared post gonna go anytime, but now at DC it totally makes sense for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. You are you I, are I, on yeah. the adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you because you yeah. said at the beginning this is like has nothing to do but because we were doing the three thirty on Tuesday on my wall mm. and you invited me to yours, but I still wanna do anxiety on Tuesday at three thirty. So you said you're gonna do yours at three thirty on Tuesdays too. So I just wanted to let you know that I will continue with the anxiety. Okay. Okay. On my thing. So, so I don't know yeah. if that will make any difference. I guess we can do it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, 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 for sure. I just wanted you to know that I I'm gonna um I'm gonna keep going with it because I think the anxiety is very important to okay so many of us now. So yeah, yeah. I know we deal we've been dealing with that. If, you know, everyone is dealing some degree of anxiety, right? No, for yeah. sure we can talk about it uh, in detail and uh, then we will figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But next week I will have an earlier uh, interview. I'm also doing another interview, but it's gonna be at one p.m. next week. Oh, okay. So, so that, that, then it doesn't collide. At no, all. it doesn't so, collide. Yeah, so I yeah. can join okay. your talk as well. So for any of you who is interested, um, Dana, who is a mindset uh, coach and also do subconscious reprogramming, I believe your free training, like free five days online training section, is happening next week, right? Yes, next week, uh, to any of you who want to or know somebody about uh, having like maybe anxiety or fears and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I am teaching at noon Pacific time, um, so that is about five hours earlier than right now, Yeah, and it's in Facebook, and you can find the links on Donna Ritchie um, 
Facebook. I am teaching in a Facebook group. And on my Facebook profile, I think I'm Dana Ritchie. Uh, eight, it's R I T C H I E, and um, Dana obviously D A D A N A, and uh, there is a link to sign up on my personal profile on Facebook. So yeah. uh, you're welcome. It's gonna be five days, one and a half hour every day. Yeah. Uh, to explain brain anxiety and how to get rid of it. Yeah. No. You know, especially you know, any of you experiences certain degree of anxiety, big or small. I mean, it's definitely the good uh, class to experience. You know, then I will help you tap it all away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Reprogram yeah. it all. We'll, we'll rewire the brain. That's rebuilding, right. Rebuilding the patterns. Yes. Subconscious stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for any of you who is interested, um, let me repeat it again. You can search Dana Richie 8 under Facebook. So it's D-A-N-A Richie R-I-T-C-H-I-E and number 8. So Dana Richie 8 and then you can register for 5-day free uh, online section next week so yes. no you'll be great you know let me know how it goes <laughs> and thank you thank you so much to be my guest this yeah, week no, that was fun i and, kind of like i didn't know how it's gonna work out because normally we talk yeah uh like and give each other questions so at the beginning i'm like oh how is she gonna do this so no, oh, it was very fun it i can fun. really you know i can really ask yeah. questions and i'm so you grateful like yes. you know i know it yeah. was hard for you and then i'm yeah. you know i'm happy i'm i'm glad happy and it's also my honor to be able to interview you and then we can talk about this you know yeah, no, paul is you, yeah. paul is a guy i never really met in person or well, i yeah. saw him in in ghost form but other than that yeah, i never met yeah, him in yeah, person yeah, yeah. but he's a nice guy though yeah he was a very nice guy yes yeah. Yeah, so nice you know guy. Glad to have you, and yes, I don't know anybody have you. a question for you, but if not, I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, okay. It's okay. So, thank you all. Um, if any of you are interested in our conversation, uh, I do host this room, English room, regularly every Tuesday at three thirty p.m. Pacific time. Next week, uh, due to my guest schedule, I will start at one. But um, Dana have another anxiety talk, right? So I think three thirty yeah, we will still will have the same talk. Yeah, I will be doing the same. Like Tuesday, three thirty, the anxiety. Yes. Yeah, so. so you know we will talk more about anxiety. We all know how pandemic you know really stirred the pot. Everybody has some yeah. kind of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we need to get yes. rid of it. Yes, our our you know intention to help you all get rid of it. So if you are interested, do follow our club. Do join our talk. You know every Tuesday, and we would love to hear from you all. Um, in any time, if you guys have, you know, other from interview, if you have any more, any other question, you know, you are always more than welcome to raise a hand and join the talk as well, right? Okay, so um, thank you all for joining. I guess I will see you guys next week. Bye Sounds now. Good. Well, thank you. Yeah, okay, do follow bye. Dana though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bye. Bye. Right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.